Welcome, welcome to the IB Livecast. I am your host, Ronnie Carlton, as always, trying to do this every single Tuesday so that we get some consistency and are able to deliver to you the best sports talk available. Of course, that is a goal and that is an aspiration. Making that a reality is something entirely different. To start off with, Johnny Manziel. Very recently, Johnny Manziel was caught going to Las Vegas the night before Monday. The funniest part of it, and this is kind of a sad and sorry saga, but the funniest aspect of the whole entire thing is that Johnny dressed up with a wig and a mustache and sunglasses in order to go incognito. I don't even know where to begin with that. It reminds me of the Met manager who did something like that in the past. I forgot his name. It's Alan Copeland. Maybe he can tell us. But I want to tell you about Johnny Football. I want to tell you a story I read about him that changed my opinion of him forever. He always seemed like a cocky SOB. He seemed more so after I read an article by Wright Thompson basically the best writer you're going to find. When Wright Thompson follows you around for a little bit, you're not going to find a man better at capturing who you are as a person than when Wright Thompson of ESPN, the magazine, gets on the case. So, this article, and this is from 2013. This is Johnny Mandel's father. Now, not, not just a casual acquaintance, folks. This is Johnny's father. Johnny's father says, Paul thinks Johnny's, they're worried about him, Thompson Wright. Paul thinks Johnny, Paul is the father of Johnny, thinks Johnny drinks to deal with the stress. After his arrest, which happened in college, Johnny's parents and Sumlin mandated he visit an alcohol counselor. Johnny saw him seven weeks during the season. So this is a kid that's basically in and out of some version of rehab, and everybody wants to glorify Johnny because he likes the park. He's so cool, and he reminds their college days. But in reality, in reality, the things that he's doing, you cannot do as a football player in the National Football League at in this time and this era, it just can't be done, folks. So, uh, saw in that article where he just and tell people in his family, like his aunt, to just shut up. Who does that? And these are the things that upset me about Johnny a long time ago, way before we knew most of uh, the issues that he had that we're seeing on the field. But everybody had to know what kind of product they were seeing. And now this sorry, sad circumstance. He did it last year at the end of the season when he was hurt. He was partying and he didn't show up for treatment. It's not – he doesn't even understand that your job as a football player is to be a part of the team whether you're playing or not. No one even knew where he was Sunday. That leads us to our next category. Our next category is on Cam News. Now, folks – I keep telling you, and you're welcome to call in if anybody's listening. You're welcome to call in at any time, and I will take your call, and we can discuss any topic. Folks, 
at what point do we stop falling for the okey-doke? The media is trying to fan the flames of racial aggression. They're trying to make us hate one another. I know that sounds like crazy. I'm reading one of the posts on the site. But um, you, you, I know that sounds crazy and extreme, but if you look at these situations with Cam Newton this season, the first situation we saw with Cam Newton was a woman that was a fan of the Tennessee Titans writing about Cam and his dancing and how she didn't like it. And that became a racial incident. Now we have something even better. These are letters to the editor from the Charlottesville, not Charlottesville, I used to live in Charlottesville, the Charlotte Observer. Cam Newton should marry his mother. In response to the chosen one, which is Cam's baby's name, in response to the chosen one, baby will change change Cam's life January 1st. Uh, let's see. Patricia S. Broderick, Mooresville, wrote, So the man whom we celebrate, and with good reason, has produced a son. Congratulations would be in order if he had been man, italicized, enough to marry the mother of his child and make a home. This happy occasion is blighted when Cam, whose own parents were married, skipped the very basis of being a good parent. I am just sorry and very disappointed. Now, I looked up. They have a picture of Patricia. Now, first of all, if your name is Patricia, you're about 87 years old. I think that's the number one qualification for your name being Patricia. But she lives in Mooresville, North Carolina. I don't know where that is. And I've been to North Carolina. My family is from Olive, North Carolina, where they make the pickles. But this woman looks to be like your could be your great-grandmother. What did you think she is going to say? about a guy having his child out of wedlock. Is this supposed to be some sort of racist thing? Some sort of controversy that they're always after Cam? Why do why do we care what one old white lady says, or black for that matter, because you can easily say a black uh, grandmother would say this too, but why would anyone care thinks about these kinds of things. That, I don't understand. What concerned about one person's opinion, in this case, two people's opinions. This is the second letter from Thomas UHL. It is amazing that the birth of Cam Newton's son by his girlfriend is a front page story. And that, Thomas, I probably agree with. The U.S. is seeing rising unmarried births, and for the media to flash, this is the greatest happening for Cam Newton. It's his family principles. Now, I'm not even going to go into that and say that he's necessarily wrong. Two-parent household is ideal. I've experienced the two-parent household as a child, and it wasn't the greatest thing because my parents weren't that well, one of my parents wasn't that great. And then as a I've experienced separate households, and I wish I could be there for my children. 
in every second of every single day. But I can't. And a lot of those I blame myself for. But at the same time, do we judge people because of that? Because they're not in the ideal situation? Should we even look to an athlete like Cam as some kind of role we should even emulate outside of on outside of the football field? He's not in between the lines. Why would we care what Cam Newton does to emulate Cam Newton the man? They don't know him. They'll never have a conversation with him. If they did meet him, it would be for like two, three, four seconds. I don't want them to emulate him as a man, as a football player. I do, to some degree, if they were playing football right now, which is a sore spot, which they aren't. But as a as a man, they don't. let's go back to more of this. Cam, this is Thomas again. Cam is a role model to many of our young males. So there he goes. Both white and black. The least he and his longtime girlfriend could do Longtime girlfriend could have done is to get married prior to followers that not only is he a superstar but a person with high morals. Folks, this is just old school talk. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. This is just how they view it, and it's the old school you get married when you have a kid. It's morality, it's what you're supposed to do. It's not something. Reacting like there's thousands of people writing letters to the editor. First of all, who even writes a letter to the editor anymore unless you're an ancient person? That's that's the kind of person that writes a letter to the editor in this age. It's got to be someone who is so old and so out of this letter to the editor. They say emails to the editor unless they're just keeping that. Um, there's a letter to the that all of the blogs this is the, and that's what I mean by the okie doke that the blogs didn't pick up because it doesn't make good copy that the big league Black Force Online which one day I'll tell you about Black Force Online because I read about it and read up on like what he thinks and why it's not quite what it sounds like you know the name is pretty it's not good as far as the impression that you want, but they have quality sites, so I try to stick with it. Let's see if I can find a letter to the editor here in front of me in my never nicotine-stained hands, if you ever listen to Russian Ball, I'm playing off of that. Salute to Cam for putting family first. Cam Newton left practice early to go to Atlanta for the birth of his son. Kudos for playing fatherhood for sand football. He had he had a great mode model who helped make him a fine young man he is today. Like him, I wish all males could have a father figure in their lives. Can't wait to see chosen dabbing. So he has support there. If you go to the comments, there's support. But we always just want to focus on the negative. We want to point out that a few buddy duddies, and I'm sounding like them, wanted Cam didn't like what Cam did. They just thought this was a poor reflection on him because they're old school. And that is what people are constantly getting upset about. A couple old ladies. 
that's really what we're getting upset about. An old lady who that was probably stuck in a loveless marriage from the get-go, and she and we're mad at her for having this worldview. We have all kinds of worldviews. I don't think you have to get upset and think it's a personal attack on Cam Newton just because someone has a difference of opinion about life. That while old school and people don't like it, it's probably still what well, it is. Look at all the studies. It is the most effective way to raise a child, which is in a two-parent home. We can say what we want to say, but you can look at the studies. People that are in two-parent homes have less literacy their dropout rate. Their uh, reading levels are more likely to be above uh, below average. Suicide rate, everything that you – college graduation – Everything that you would look at as a, a standard for success and growth for a young developing child is lower when they're coming from a single parent home. And a lot of people like to get all emotional about it, but it's not that your parent didn't do the best it could, but it's just one. And it takes two people to raise a child. I'll even give you the two people, that, you know, it could be unconventional, a lesbian relationship or something like that, or homosexual relationship. I'll leave you that, but I, I tend to be more traditional in my beliefs and think that these uh, values are you get the man and the woman and you get the best of both worlds. But I am telling you, you can look up any study and you'll find it that two-parent homes produce more successful children than one-parent, single-parent homes. It's just better for the child. And we can put a whole lot of caveats about love and all those kind of things on it. But this, I mean, these old people kind of know what they're talking about. Moving in, still, I guess we're not going to get any callers. I saw something interesting today, and that is the Cleveland Browns putting Paul DePodesto as the president of player development and scouting. Now, they're going something different. He has management experience. He's actually in Moneyball, and he's played by Jonah Hill. His management experience all comes from baseball, and that's a curious move, but he's big into the analytics community, and it seems that we're asking or seeing if analytics be the next movement in baseball. I mean, in baseball, not in baseball, but in football. And how would that affect it? And that's the thing. I mean, I've seen some analytics. If you're looking at pro football focus or talking about a site like that where they're grading the plays, I don't really view that as much about analytics as you would because, like, when you're talking NBA and baseball analytics, you're talking about how much how much somebody gets on base. You're not grading every at bat and saying should they have swung and should they not have swung. So I, I see that as slightly different. I see football outsiders as analytics. And they're talking about like quarterbacks and how they made a yardage they should get compared to what other people should get. And I wonder if someone can do that in football. I, I, I wonder if a person can look at all the different areas of football and still be able to have a a grip on who's a good player and who's a not good player. That. I, I I struggle with that, and in some ways it's helped the analytics. But at the same time, 
it hasn't helped basketball because now everyone thinks you have to shoot threes and they're just automatically in the stone age if you're looking for the best possible shot and you're not shooting any threes as possible. But we see right now that the San Antonio Spurs don't shoot that many threes and they, especially in December, but overall, I think they have the highest point differential. And if you look at the advanced stats of the net differential between offensive rating and defensive rating, it was there was a twenty uh diff twenty percent difference me and it was the greatest net differential in the history of basketball since they've been doing differentials since nineteen ninety five ninety six so there's more than one way to skin a cat as people used to say before uh people got really socially conscious and didn't make ugly doing things to animals. And that's what I worry about. Do you get an analytical team and then your analytical team uh, decides where they can't uh, go off the script or they're, or they're, are we bringing more Chip Kellys, even though Chip Kelly is not like necessarily an analytics guy, but will they have enough flexibility to go and, um, and make changes to what they need to do or are they going to stick to these analytics and not uh, and not not be as flexible and I mean it's bit, it's a it's a thin balance. Let's see if we can get a caller or or online before I go to my next topic here. Let's see. Give me one second, and I'll post this again. Post the name. We're going to talk about Draymond Green. And also, I think we had one more topic the NFL playoff hunt. Let's see, we put this in the thing here. All right, now, Draymond Green. Draymond Green. Now, there was an interesting discussion. Chase is our resident uh, fan of the Golden State Warriors. Jay was also saying, and I think what they're trying to say is, Interesting. I'm seeing uh, Conor McGregor respond to Floyd. I wonder if this is even real, but I don't know. Let me see. But uh, Raymond Green is being called a top 10 player. And and it's very interesting. It's it's kind of the Scotty Pippen bag, but it's very interesting what people will say when a player is winning. When a player is winning, they will give the success of the team to that player. They do it with the best players on with players that are secondary. Now Leonard was seeing this and now this year stepped up. Draymond Green is currently and Draymond is pretty good. He's averaging like fifteen, sixteen points a game, almost nine rebounds, almost eight assists a game. He's very versatile. He does have a Pippin nature to him, and he can guard guard. He can guard guys on the wing. 
speaking guard. Big man. He's very versatile. I like his game. But when you take a piece, you try to make it the cornerstones. When you try to just make a, a, a crucial piece to a franchise, a guy that would fit a lot better in his team than other teams, and you try to make that that's when I struggle with you. When other people are carrying a much heavier load, and but you want to give it to the guy who has the smaller load because he has a superstar taking away some of the pressure. Now, I'm going to look for Draymond Green right here in terms of advanced player metrics. Now, I had to go all the way down to number 38 to look at Draymond Green's uh, PER, player efficiency rate. He's number 38. When it comes to win share, well, not win share, when it comes to wins added, he gives the Warriors 5.2 wins. When you look, oh, let me give you back the player efficiency rating. Player efficiency rating means, where do you go? Oh, they don't. Uh, efficiency rating is the overall rating of a player per, per a player's per minute statistical production. The league average is 15.0. Uh, so Draymond is in the 20s, which is fine, which is just fine. But let me show you who's in the 20s. Kevin Love is 39. Manager Nobly, no 40. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is 37. Jonas Valanciunas is 36. Carmelo Anthony, Dirk Nowitzki. Now, near the top of Per would be Steph Curry at 31, almost 32. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, 27. LeBron James, 26. James Harden, these are people that are carrying the load for their team, whereas Draymond is not carrying that load. Now, this is all this typical uh, contributions you would think, like everyone says he is, that he would have more of that. But let's go to all of them in third. Let's go to his wins added. Well, let's go to his value added. Draymond Green, value added. Uh, 156.1. Go to the very top. Step thirty-eight. Russell Westbrook, 340. Kevin Durant, 270. Kawhi Leonard, 3. Brian James, 264. James Harden, 284. Anthony Davis, 210. Ian Kantner, Ian Kantner, uh, 143. 90. Derek Favors, 155. And Draymond is around that. So he's low in all of these categories. And last but certainly not least, estimated wins added to the team. This is where Draymond comes short. This, and I'll read you the definition so that everybody will know what I'm talking about. But here we go. Estimated wins added. Value added divided by 30, given the estimated number of wins a player adds to the team's season total above what a replacement player would produce. So let's go to Draymond. 5.2. Draymond Green. That That's what the estimate of advanced analytics would say. That's what he's adding to the team. 5.2 wins. DeAndre Jordan, 5.5. Carmelo Anthony, 5.5. Dirk Nowitzki, 4.5. Kevin Love, 4.5. 
Let's go to near the more the more elite players. Steph Curry, eleven point three. Russell Westbrook, eleven point three. Kevin Durant, nine point oh. Let's see anyone else. James Harden, nine point five. Kawhi Leonard, eight point eight. No, Kawhi Leonard, nine point four. Brian James, 8.8. You see, there's a big difference. If you can't, this is what they were doing with Kawhi Leonard before he was ready. They were anointing him, and most of the fame, most of the stats, most of the analytics will show you that his total contribution was not all what people were saying it was. Now, I guess we're not going to have any callers, but that's okay. And I will just keep talking along. Let's see. We next are going to go to some of the the best I can get out of these guys as far as interaction. This is a question I asked. This is our uh, kind of our viewer question. We have: Should the Broncos stay with Peyton Manning? What do you think? This is one. Let's see if we can get. All right. This is from Jr. Mercer. I always thought he wasn't throwing hard and the ball lacked something because he didn't want to burn out like he did versus Seattle in the playoffs last year. That's an interesting thought. I don't think he would do that in a regular season game because I think that would actually end up hurting him. But I think it's just because he doesn't actually have any philosophy left, especially when you have problems with, like a quarterback. He needs his lower body. In the last two years, he's had lower body injuries. And I think that's prevented some of the velocity. And that's not even counting the neck injury uh, that he sustained, the weakness that he's had in his extremities because of the neck surgery. And we have a caller, 804-878. Yes, sir. It's Mark Colley. How are you? Hey, man. What's up? How are you doing? What do you want to talk about? Uh, man, I just clicked the link and called you guys to see what was going on. Not much. Uh, we talked about Draymond Green. We talked about Cam Newton and old white ladies writing letters about him. That old uh, white lady. Leave him alone, man. That's what I'm saying too. And I think I think and it's kind of and we we you and I I think we talk well. I think sometimes uh, talk to me that Nichols don't have a hard time talking about stuff, and then sometimes I think. Yeah, we can have a I would not agree. And it's just, it's just two women. It's not two women. It's like, I looked up the original thing. It's like a, that post of thing on. It's like they're old school, you know? It's not a real controversy. Right. And so, and that's the you know, that's. It's such a small group of people that even give a crap about what these players do off the field, but that's what the media broadcasts. I mean, that's that's what I told my boy. He's a huge Cam Newton fan. So am I. But he's a Panthers fan, and he's like, oh, everybody's against us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, stop watching ESPN. That's exactly what it is. ESPN and the blog, and they can get you talking about something. We're talking... ESPN gave us network over to one mom who said Cam was dancing and showing off too much. What he tends to actually do is to taunt and show off a bit more than 
some people like, you know. And in this one, where they're all over the blogs, where it's two people that look like they're in their 80s, and that's who we're going off of for controversy. You know, I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, people like to get a hold of that stuff and run with it. I mean, and in today's society, like, uh, the race thing just embraces so many. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I love I I like his playing style. I love what he does off the field. I'm going to write a negative letter. I'm going to write a negative letter about see if I can get IBS on the map. Because evidently, that's the way to do it. you got to write a a letter about Kansas, and he's not a good role model. He'll pick it right up. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Uh, Are there any other salt I should say, are there any other salt teams? I said, I I guess I'd have to make a salt team do it so he gets some traction. But anything else on your mind in sports? Did you watch, you watch any of the bowl games or anything for the playoffs or anything like that? No, I'm pretty excited about the bowl game coming up, but uh, I'm more of an NFL guy. I'm uh, um, kind of excited what's going on around the league right now with the coaching carousel. Uh, what do you think is going to go down in uh, in Miami? That's, see, I haven't heard as much about y'all, and usually you guys are the first one because your owners kind of flash you fly people in on his private jet, but I haven't heard a whole lot about what you guys are doing. So, so I'm guessing it's going to be more of a low key that you won't get Ship or you won't get uh, Tom Payton or somebody like that. But sometimes those are the best coaches to get. Like I liked, now I don't know if this will happen, but I li- I liked Adam Gates since he was in um, Denver and he was Payton's coordinator. Now he's with the Bears and he made Jay Cutler look serviceable, you know? So, I like him for y'all. Um, they talked about Carolina's coordinator. I mean, maybe you could give him credit because offense coordinator because of what he did with Cam. I, I don't know. Well, I guess that's the defensive coordinator, uh, Scott McDermott. I guess that's the defensive coordinator they're talking about. Because Shula's the offensive coordinator. Oh. But yeah, I heard yeah, we're you know about him. Yeah, I mean, we're connected to Shula as well, but we always have been. Yeah. <laughs> you got a wish list? Um, you, got a, you got a wish list for who you want to be your coach? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Uh, I kind of like Sean Payton and his aggressive coaching style, but um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, they've interviewed Shanahan twice, I believe now. Okay, uh, that would be interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about like, that. Yeah, it feels like a retread, but his teams always do something. Like, I mean, he took the Washington to the playoffs, but it's like at this point, can he take you to the to the top, you know, at his age, too. I don't I think he's got to be 60. And I, he's so old school. You wonder if that'll work or you wonder how much it will work, you know? Yeah, I think Alan said it best the other day on the podcast when he said Miami needs a direction. I mean, I think that's just – we need somebody to come in who's aggressive and is, you know, I think we need a run – more of a run-oriented offense. Uh and that was I one mean, of the issues no with y'all, what? wasn't it? That Lamar Miller, Lamar Miller wasn't getting the ball. From what I was seeing about y'all, a lot of people were complaining that Lamar Miller oh. wasn't getting the ball. Enough. We fired Philbin. We continued to pass. We fired Laser or Lazor or whatever the hell his name was. In the first game, Lamar <laughs> blew it up. But then I think the second game out um, after we fired him, we had okay. uh, the first half, Lamar had 88 yards and two touchdowns. And then they just quit running the ball. They didn't even go back yeah, to it. It's like no matter 
who is coordinating the Dolphins? They want to throw the ball every down. And I just don't understand. Like, every time Lamar touches it, good things happen. I think I've seen a thing, I've seen a stat where if we ran the ball for, if we had 20 running plays or something, I can't, you know what, I don't want to say it now because I'll be saying something that's untrue, but it was a running tab. The more you had 20 running yeah, any any games we had twenty more running snaps or something, we were undefeated this year. Some some stat like that, but uh, I mean that's kind of might be. You know, cause it's, uh, it's, it's breaking all up. So I listened to a lot. That was like that. Just fresh. place where uh, Dallas was a few years ago, where couldn't get anybody to run. You couldn't get your coordinator to run the ball, and you were doing really well when you did run the ball. And I think if y'all did that, like we did, you invest in your line, you really go hard at just the ball and limiting what Santa Hill has to do, I think y'all will be all right. Let me see. We got another caller coming on. Six four one, you are on the air. The IB live cast. What's up, yo? Yeah, who is this? Name and city. Oh my gosh, IBS Jesus, man, you should know my. Uh, oh yeah, but you know, Nickel says, "What's up, yo?" It's almost impossible to decipher which nickel it is. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not an easy task. It really isn't. Unless you talk to him every day. <laughs> oh, man, we've covered a whole bunch of stuff. We've talked about Johnny Manziel. We talked about Cam Newton. And I called out the old white lady that everybody got that, that has everybody all mad about. Uh, let's do that. I don't know. Did you see that post where I posted the actual lady and the actual letter? Yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw the post, but I didn't read it. Okay, but you saw a picture of the lady? Yeah, yeah, that's the lady in the Charlotte Observer. And originally, it was just saying that he was a bad role model because he's having kids out of wedlock and that nature. So it's just like the common stuff. And when you look at the context, of it, a lot of people want to make about race, but an old black person would say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, Cam Newton's from Atlanta, Georgia. He's from technically the Deep South. So I'm 100% sure he was brought up in some type of Southern Baptist atmosphere, you know what I'm saying? He, he's a uh, he's not necessarily supposed to be a role model, you know, like we talk about, but that's what people expect. And I mean, in this day and age where everybody's personal information is so easily accessible, you're gonna offend somebody, no matter how you live your life, you're gonna offend somebody. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna read too much into it. I mean, I'm sure some people will make make a racial thing out of it, but old people are just gonna be old people especially down south. Like I said, if I'd have got a stripper pregnant, yeah, and I my, mom about home, my mom would have been pissed. I don't think that, yeah, I don't think they're necessarily wrong. I don't think necessarily the way to say has gone where people have kids on purpose out of wedlock. I'm not sure if that's even the best. And I have two kids out of wedlock. And I, and I, I'm not sure that that's the best way to go. You know, I don't think, I don't know if you have something that I would recommend my kids do. And it is something that's more cavalier, that people do it more cavalier than they used to, you know? 
But uh, yeah. let's, let's move. Let me ask you about uh, something we haven't touched on. So people will listen to it in the archive. Something we haven't touched on, and that's uh, the playoffs. What teams? This is just in order of, and I'm putting in order. Like maybe your top five about teams that you have more the most confidence in the playoffs to go to the, to win the Super Bowl. The most confident in my top five to win. Um, it's real tough, man. Like, I'm I'm gonna say I'm most confident in the Carolina Panthers, and I know that's a little cliche, but they're still the hottest team in the NFL. Um, they're playing with so much confidence, and they they're you broke so up young. With that? What team is that? Oh, Carolina Panthers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, because I was like, they're playing with so much energy. They're still one of the hotter teams in the league. Um, I think their biggest threat is going to be the uh, Seattle Seahawks, whom I have at number uh, two. Um, just based off experience alone, the fact they're also playing at a high level and they're showing another dimension to their team uh, with a new passing attack that that's pretty efficient. Um, number three... I'm going to have to go with the uh, Denver Broncos. Um, even though we don't necessarily know who's going to be the starting quarterback, um, I believe in the defense, um, and I believe uh, in the fact that they have home field advantage as well. Um, I think that's a huge uh, that's, a, that's a huge advantage, uh, given that the Patriots play so well at home and the Patriots are a little banged up. I'm going to bring them in at number four, uh, just because I don't know if I trust the offensive line and I know Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady, but how much of Tom Brady can he be if he's under duress a lot uh, during the season? And then number five, uh, I'll go ahead and give that to the uh, Cardinals, only because um, I'm not sold on the Bengals getting out of the first round with A.J. McCarron uh, as their uh, starting quarterback. I don't know what's going on there. Um, the reports I read said that Andy Dalton was good to go. He's got his cast off. I'm not understanding why AJ is uh, an option to start. So uh, those are my top five. It could change uh, given given any week, you know what I'm saying? And and we don't know how it's going to all play out. I think this is one of the more uh, evenly matched and up in the air playoffs that we've seen in the wall. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it's hard because I, I have a hard time figuring, like, who is going to come out of the AFC because it seems like they're all very flawed. Patriots seem like they're the best, but in the last two weeks, you're wondering, like, is this the real Patriots team we're seeing? Are they holding back because they don't want to get anybody else hurt? I mean, they've just been decimated by injuries. Uh, but it seems like it's this year. Arizona seems like they're the best team. You know, Green Bay is struggling. And, and just let's, let's talk about Green Bay for a second since we're there. What do you think is going on with the Packers? And, and tell me that point you were making in the chat about the Packers. Uh, I think I think the Packers are a little little hurt. Um, well, let's put it this way. I always use this analogy, but I, I like it. So let, the Packers are on a ship, and there's a hole in the ship. They plug it with their finger, then out, up pops another hole. They plug that with their finger, then up pops another hole. Eventually, you run out of fingers. You know, they're in a situation where they're they're just out of they're out of options to improve. So what they have is pretty much what they're what they have. They they can't get any better. And it's and it's frustrating. Um they're they're not used to being in this situation. Uh they're used to being 
uh, one of the teams to beat. And I think uh, people are still playing them as if they're the team to beat, but they can't really match that skill-wise um, as a team. They, they, what concerns me about them is, is just the the lack of um, continuity. You know, they're usually a pretty well-put-together team, but they, they've lost their composure uh, over the last couple of weeks, and it's, it's a little bothering Yeah, Ron is frustrated all the time. I mean, he just looks very frustrated with things. And I think, too, in looking at the film study and listening to some other guys with uh, talk about the Packers, it's he watching just last week. He's just playing Sandlot football. Like, he's not throwing on time. He's just moving around and playing like what you would say a stereotypical nickel player would play like and just making plays. And, but he's trying to just stay in the pocket and not actually run. That does the line has the whole longer because the receivers can't get open. But part of the problem is they aren't doing route and formation. Yeah, it, it's it's sloppy, man. Um, it's sloppy from the offensive side. Defensively, I haven't looked too much into that because I've, like I said, I've never been impressed with the Packers defense. They always been when your receivers good enough, can't not up the game. Yeah, when your receivers can't beat one-on-one coverage, you have to send people into different zones, and you have to confuse. Have to be creative, and they haven't done a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, the creativity's gone. Um, I remember we used to see Randall Cobb coming out the backfield and stuff a lot, and, and moved around. We don't see that a lot. You know what I think they also really miss, even though Jordy Nelson's out. The Packers haven't had a solid tight end in a long time. And that, that really makes a difference when you're talking about the run game and also just uh, moving the chains and, and occupying the middle of the field. They don't have anybody that can occupy the middle of the field right now. They don't, you don't see them running people down the seams or, or, or picking on the middle linebacker anymore. If anything, it, it almost looks like a variation of Chiefs offense where he just dumps it off the start if he can't necessarily buy time somebody gets open. So I, I don't I don't like what I see from the offensive side, and, and that's got to change. And this is this is going to be the second year in a row where they're they're going to be uh, pretty much inept on offense uh, going into the playoffs. And and I mean, Jordy gives them a, an excuse, but like I was getting to in uh, the chat, like eventually it's got to it's got to be addressed, man. Like it's not getting done. They're a good enough team to win a Super Bowl. They're still not. They're not achieving that goal. Uh, it's been, what, five years since they won the Super Bowl. That might be a tad bit unrealistic, but the fact of the matter is you have the talent to win it. Eventually, people are going to get a little frustrated that it's not resulting in a Super Bowl win. Uh, you can't be but so patient.